Hey everybody, it's Kenny Coots Van Jordan and my colleague Chris Raybold. How are you, Chris? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, Super. So we're hoping that you guys are really digging the headphone giveaway. Um, you know, uh, Roxanne from Audio Technica approached us and said, hey, you know, would it help you if I gave you guys some headphones to give away? And we said, hell yeah, we'll give away some headphones. Um, so that was really cool of her to do that. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll have some other manufacturers get involved with us. And um, so stay tuned and tell all your friends to subscribe. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to give as many opportunities as we can for you guys to win some free gear. Um, Speaking of free gear, or not free, but speaking of gear, um, I thought that this uh, little episode here might be about gear. And um, shit, we could talk about this for hours. What? Um, let's just let's just start it off. What What are the five pieces of gear, Chris, uh, that you um, couldn't live without <clears throat> today? Today, today, today. Uh, it's funny when we, and we, full disclosure, <laughs> we mention this all the time. Pooch and I don't talk about what we're going to do before we speak. However, we do have a master list of topics. Right. And when I, when we put this one down the other day, I started to say, "But give me a day's heads up. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be tough." So, fuck. Now I'm on the spot. Um, I would say right now. So my five tools that I would prefer to not live without today. Mind you, that's different from all time, but today would be... Wait, way to dance around it. Keep going. Yeah, you like that? You like that? <laughs> These are the yeah. ones that so, I would prefer to have. Right. Yeah. I'll say this. Okay, We're going to start out with playback. Okay. So this is sort of an open-ended answer. Name your DAW. I will tell you I like to use Pro Tools. Um, and there's a number of reasons I like Pro Tools, mainly because it's the one that I know the best. And what I mean by that, too, is if I have to edit within Pro Tools, I can get by. Like, I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, not as swift as some of my, the studio cats that I know or some of the programmers, playback guys that I know. But because I only hang out with those type of people, I kind of have, I've got a section in my phone, in my notes section of all the reminders for all the editing shit, you know. Yeah. So that play, so playback for me, which is Pro Tools. Wait, but wait, um, let's go down this rabbit hole just for a minute because I do. think people would be interested about this rabbit hole. Um, okay. Only because I think it was another topic that we had, but hey, we got time. Let's talk about it. Um, sure. So I don't use Pro Tools because. I feel like all of the connections that are necessary to make Pro Tools work are kind exactly. of are kind of a pain in the ass. Um, totally. And then my experience in the past, there's nothing against Pro Tools because let me just preface all of this by saying, anytime that I have to do any editing or mixing, I take WAV files and put them into Pro Tools. And so I am just like you in the sense of um, I, I'm quick, you know, editor and fast mixer on Pro Tools. And it is ultimately my DAW that I use after the, the live sound collection of data, <laughs> if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Um, so for my, for my world, uh, you know, I have had some pretty horrible experiences with previous versions of Pro Tools, like not hanging in there for an entire show or dying or whatever. Um, so I'm interested to know now, because I haven't been using Pro Tools probably for about five years, I'd say, to capture audio. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested to know, so keep this in your brain once I'm done. Is, is that still true? Is it still difficult? Um, but uh, just real quick, my DAW of choice for collecting stuff is Reaper, actually. And the reason mm -hmm. is um, that I discovered with Reaper, like, I could be, I could have 120 tracks of audio recording at 96K 
and still be surfing on the web browser <laughs> and that thing won't crash. I mean, no matter, you have to work really, really hard to get Reaper to crash. Um, and so um, that's kind of been my thing. And it makes WAV files. Now, as far as editing and all that other crap, it's horrible. Like I hate right. it. Um, and if I were working for an artist that I needed to edit things quickly, like I couldn't just drag over files, which is what I currently do, um, then I would probably be in the same boat you are using Pro Tools. So just can you address just a couple of those before you move forward? Would love, yeah. would love to. It is absolutely a pain in the ass. It's not necessary. It's, you know, there are so many ways to capture audio now. All It's not as bad as it used to be with, but with the extra pieces in line. In other words, for me, so I go off of both the SSL and the Digico. Let's see, what do I do? I come Maddie out. Then I'll go to, uh, let's just assume it's BNC out. Then it's got to go to the Maddie, Avid Maddie HD. Right. Then it's got to convert to fucking uh hd uh pop out of there hdx rather pop out of there go into the cards you know and then there's there's no one that preps my rig that's like oh cool he wants pro tools everybody <laughs> wants an mgb <laughs> yes and it's this big yeah boom, go or yeah. they have an, an avid desk that connects seamlessly via ether you know there's there are a million different ways to do it and i just am to the point where like i know all that um, <laughs> it's just what I'm going to use. You know what I mean? Cool. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. But, and, and you're right. And so, and the thing is, and when do I need to edit? How often is that? You know what? It's not, it's not that often, but when it comes, you better believe I like having that ability to be like, you need what now? Sure. <laughs> you know, and then you'll get an MD that's just like, you can do that. And, and I'm like, yeah, even though I'm sitting there hunting and pecking through my phone sometimes, if it's really advanced yes. as to what it is. I also like the fact that um, if I have, and I found myself in this situation several times over the past few years where because more and more artists have their guy. Like, oh, that's their recording guy. That's their studio guy. Yep. All this cat does is just, they usually don't mix their records, but they'll track them constantly. Yep. And the modern version of tracking is kind of mixing along the way anyway with the way sessions are built. Um, if that person comes in with me, it's nice to be able, we're on, they're probably using Pro Tools as well. Yep. So we can have a conversation, you know, there's all these pluses and minuses. When the artist comes in, if you have an artist who doesn't know audio, but they are used to staring at that Pro Tools screen, they can look at a waveform. So those are the things. Um, is it a pain in the ass though? Yes, for sure. It's a, uh, so it, ju it just is. Uh, I know I mean, it is. Wasn't there, another, was there is. another question in there? Uh, was that it? I think that's it. I think you addressed all that. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is I actually, um, the way that I get around what you're talking about is I do, I am running Pro Tools too. I didn't say that. Ah, but what's happening, but what's happening in Pro Tools is a left dummy rig, huh? <laughs> is, no, I'm not, I'm not multi-tracking really. Um, I am taking okay. uh, the record bus mm -hmm. and audience mics. And if mm -hmm. somebody asked me for a super quick edit, I could give them a left and right edit super fast. And so I'm kind of so. doing what you're doing. Um, I mean, I've gotten quick on Reaper. Like I could do it in Reaper, but it's just been something that I've been doing for a while. So I'm running uh, Pro Tools natively with Waves, um, SoundGrid being the interface, really. So I'm already in an MGB, right? And it's in, so it's in the Waves network. I'm able to pull off that left and the right into Pro Tools, um, you know, because you can have up to 32 paths in Pro Tools from an MGB setup. Mm -hmm. um, and and so I, I can do exactly what you're talking about, only with the left and right, though. Like if somebody asks you for an indiv individual thing, which has happened to me before, a playback guy say, hey, can you just grab me the third background vocalists thing right. in that one right. song? That was a pain in the ass. I had to move those WAV files into my laptop on the Pro Tools, then edit that piece out, then give it to the guy. And and whereas right. you could do it in a second and ship it off. Um, right. Then so there. so there's there's there is some positives to what you're doing for sure. In, in between Pro Tools and Tracks Live or Reaper or something, there you know there's plenty of others. You know there's a good argument to say well just learn Logic or learn. Right. 
whatever's out now or learn, you know, Ableton or God, there's a million. Now there's Luna through you. I mean, there's a million different things. Like so Waves, Waves just gave up on uh, Tracks Live and adopted Reaper as their main. Oh, thing. wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's no I, more. I've got Reaper too. Yeah. I'll use it for playback, uh, like literal, like tuning sometimes just out through a little interface. If it's yep. one off. Yep. So I like Reaper. Yeah, it's cool. How funny is it though that we're talking about? You asked me. Here's this live, these two live sound guys, and the first thing I mentioned is <laughs> the is first thing you need is a DAW. And it, you yeah. know what? It's absolutely true. I wouldn't know how to work anymore without virtual playback. Couldn't do it. No, no, I know. I I was I was tasked with it recently for like a little like private one-off thing, and there was something refreshing to being like, all right, we're done rehearsing. I'm walking away now. You know, but as far as the things that are near and dear to my heart that I feel give me an advantage or allow me to do what I would do, I would say first would be a, a doll. Um, cool. Let's see. You have four more. Down the line. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, I can get them. Uh, the second good. one, here's, here's the funny one here. This is more like something that is available to us now that I love having access to. But there are times when I don't have a single instance of it engaged anywhere, but it would be some sort of dynamic EQ or multiband compressor, whether that be a C6, whether that be that uh, the Sony Oxford uh, dynamic EQ that I use in UA, whether it be uh, whatever, McDSP, there are a million, all the onboard ones, that functionality, you know, and mainly as it applies to vocals. Um, but again, sometimes, if I don't need it, I don't use it. So I don't always use it, but I can't imagine not having it in my toolkit. You know so it's hundred percent, dude. You know, it's so funny. I've had conversations with Toby Francis about this, um, and and we were both jokingly saying that to each other. Like, I don't even remember how to mix without a dynamic EQ. Like, how how yeah. did what what the fuck was I doing? You know, twenty years ago when there was. <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah. there there was like the that what's that BSS unit that's kind of a dynamic. The 901. Yeah, 901. That, that was, was it. That was that was one. it. That was the uh, one. XTA XTA made one in like the late nineties. The yeah. D two that kind of took favor, but but right. not really. Right, right, right. Yeah. But but what's so funny is even with that unit, it wasn't like oh I have to have six of those. Now mm -hmm. it's like I mean for me it's the same way. C six is like my desert island plugin like. Yep. Literally, and and actually, it doesn't have to be C6. I think you're right. Any manufacturer's dynamic plugin, dude. Uh, McDSP makes a dynamic plugin, and I can't remember what its model number is, but they, um, they've got the ML4000. That's for it. The multiband. Yep. yep. Then they've got all. Now they have their version of the dynamic EQ, which yep. is the AE series, and it's devastatingly good too. It's amazing. Oh, you know what's badass, dude? Is the new um, uh, Spice Rack. Uh, dynamic EQ that's in the SD7 uh, package, the quantum package. Um, Fun fact. Yep. Fun fact. Okay. Right. I, feel, I, feel, I feel fairly confident I have discussed this with you before. <clears throat> but years ago, when Digico <clears throat> sort of stepped up and had suddenly there was dynamic EQ on every channel and there was multiband functionality on every channel, I had been using prior to that primarily C4. And I had gotten used to the sound of C4. So right. when Digico came out with theirs, I was all pumped. And I got on it. And I could use it. But when I would solo a band, I would hear far past the crossover point. Yes. You know where I'm going with all that. I so totally in the deal, so I finally emailed someone over there at Digico. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know, like, what's the deal here? Is it me or is this knee incredibly long? coming out of the crossover point. Yep. And they said that essentially what happened, I think they have any problem with me saying this because it was the truth, that desk was so full featured, so highly packed full of shit that they had essentially run out of DSP. Wow. And that while the high, pass, the high pass filters, if you notice, are properly steep in what you'd expect, those are actually two 12 dB filters laid over one another to create a 24 dB per octave slope. With Spice Rack, they now have, from what I understand, the way it was explained to me, they have changed, there's added DSP, there's more horsepower available. So now the slopes of those knees are steeper, more what we're used to in these other things we're talking about, which to me are going to make them infinitely more usable. Totally. Um, 
So I'm really excited about about using those. I just I just haven't just haven't done it yet. Yeah, and that's the channel ones. But I'm talking specifically. There's a center. It looks like a C6 basically, and it's it's part of their uh, mustard spice rack combination, um, and it actually sounds really good. It has a different tonality to it than and different way that it reacts uh than like a c6 does so um mm -hmm. i actually was messing around with it um and i had it in the same um the same loop that a c6 already existed from and i was going a b from it and it was, it was different you know the way yeah. that it reacted um cool. also uh digico guys um that thing that has only one preset, by the way, um, that new dynamic EQ, um, I looked at it and it is actually, it's totally a ripoff of my vocal preset from uh, C6. Yes. <laughs> Fuckers. Love it. I love it. Backhanded um, compliment. I know. It's totally backhanded compliment. I looked at the numbers and I was like, I pulled it up for the first time and I looked at it and I go, this looks just like my pooch vocal preset in C6. I go, it looks just That's like so it. funny. And, uh, so and funny. then I started looking at the numbers and they are like identical, you know, in gain and the thresholds and the, you know, all the stuff. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty rad. It was a really, funny. really great compliment. Whoever designed that. That's great. Um, That's great. Anyway. Yep. Number two, dynamic EQ. Totally agree with you. Right. Uh, let's see, moving on, um, God, and you know, every day I'm like, oh, I miss analog desk. I miss analog desk, but guess what? I'm going to say number three, digital console, you know, I know. um, I now know. on, I think that now I think four and five are going to be things I do to combat the fact that it's a digital yeah. console. Yeah. So, but this is just though it would be a digital console only because of the types of acts that I work with now. I have been asked on several occasions over the past however many years to do acts, and it's these acts where, you know, it's usually like some cool indie rock or something, and they're like, it has to be an analog desk. Um, a couple of those have passed my way recently that I would love to have taken, but I was, I was booked. I couldn't do it. So, but with the people that I do, we just did one of these on uh, – snapshots and automation just because of that man i mean you're sitting there grinning because you know <laughs> it's just on a housekeeping level and just keeping my stuff straight you and with the number of variables and the number of things that come at us and the speed at which i can work on them when someone comes to you with something of dire need and it's immediate and they're freaking out and they're pretty sure you're going to freak out and then you can calmly just pull it off like that's a feather in the cap right there. And digital desk totally. allow that to me. So for me, number three would be, uh, and again for me, usually nowadays those are SD7s and uh, the SSL. Uh, again, there's a ton of good ones out there. My, my answer might change here. But that's kind of where I go. So, a, a digital desk. That's not specific, but a digital desk. A digital desk. Well, I, you know, I've said this a bunch of times. The, um, and, and you know, what's so fucked up about this is that I literally think that digital desk technology uh, in sound in res in in respect to the sound of them has only become acceptable to me in the last five years that's a really mm -hmm. fucked up thing to say so like prior to it. five years ago i was working on digital desks but not happy with the result really i mean the, i still was getting a result that was good but i was like you know the the hoops that i had to jump through to get that result were huge um and and even then i knew inside that it was like fuck if i just had an xl4 you know I, I know i know i can make this sound huge and instead i'm fighting you know um but now i will say now in the last five years five years three years five years um, <laughs> um recently recently um you know with 
the you know like the Mike Pre's oversampling 192k and then downsampling to 96. I think all that matters. The um you know the the Mike Pre's of some of the ones like the S6L and the SSL all have a an amazing sound to them. The Stadius Blue 32 bit Mike Pre's have a sound to them. So I think we're in a place now where you know the reason that we use digital desks is the snapshot technology right the 300 parameter changes that can happen between um songs um is the whole reason and it allows me to be way more creative think about you know if there's any band on this planet that screams analog desk it's probably iron maiden and the reason that i still mix them on a digital desk is the result that i can give them far mm -hmm. outweighs the analog versus digital discussion. Um, right. I can still give them an amazing sounding show and be able mm -hmm. to replicate their records like no other way. On an analog desk, there's no way that I could do, you know, go from one of their newer songs, um, newer being in the last, you know, 20 years, uh, <laughs> as opposed to a song from 40 years ago that, um, you know, has a different tonality to it. There's a lot of parameter changes that have to happen in order for that to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I absolutely agree with you. Digital Desk is is right there. Got to have it. Right. Um, I don't think, if you had asked me five years ago, the analog versus digital war, I would have said, well, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for some bands to have analog, but I don't feel like that's a thing anymore. I really don't. No, and oftentimes when those mandates from those acts, <clears throat> God, I wish I could say them because it would really make so much more sense. <laughs> um, that it's sort of like there's part of me that hears that first. I'm like, oh, that's cool, and then it's like, you hipster, <laughs> you don't like you don't. You don't have to. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> you know, and I'll I'll track two inch. Uh, you know, it's like I mean I would love to do all that stuff, but sometimes it's more of a thing now yeah. that you can get there. Uh, you can get there digital, but you do. It's kind of like what you just asked. Here's my feeling on it. You were talking about with Pro Tools, you know, but there's all the extraneous steps with the extra hardware, this and that. And I'm like, I know there is, but I like where it gets me. Nowadays with digital desk, we can get to these places of greatness, but it takes a little bit of, and the reason that you and I feel good about it is because we've got all these tools, we've got all these levels of yes. mixing through shit, through things, whether that be plug-in or outboard or just technique or some sort of onboard distortion. You know, we do things to mimic the analog sound, yet we now have all these extra bells and whistles digital. Well, because so. the level of creativity is so much more. Like I can be so more creative with yes. snapshot technology than I can be with an analog, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially like when it comes to plugins and stuff where it's just so much easier with plugins to, again, not advocating the overuse of, but man, if you want to get creative and try, it's so easy to just load something, mess with it, boom, done work, fine, try another one, as opposed to... Yeah that's my rack and uh, I could call the shop and get something else or, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. but when we, when we, I uh, know we got to move on to, to the no, other no, ones, no. but with, it's all right. the other day we were talking, okay. The other day we were talking about hearing a lot of mixes that are kind of just flat, lifeless and just flat out, not good. Yeah. So here's another funny one. I'm on the, the third thing that came to mind was a digital console. Yet if you ask me why I think our industry in some ways has suffered sonically, it's because of digital console. For so sure. it's just, you just, you know, you pick your poison and know your poison, know yeah. what's poison about it. Cause I know. Uh, you know what I mean? I so, think, you know, I mean, uh, this is a, a, an example of human nature. Okay. So I've always said that most people, if you give them an A and a B listening thing, they will almost always pick the right one. Like if you gave someone an analog, just anybody, anybody, not even a musician, yes. you know, if you gave them yeah. an A and a B, they almost will always say, oh yeah, that analog thing sounds way better. But if you take the A away and give you one thing, most people, as long as you're not hurting them, will be, will accept whatever it is. Okay. And that mm -hmm. is a, an interesting psychology, human nature kind of a thing. So because of that, consumer audio 
has drastically fucking deteriorated because of convenience, right? You know, the iPod was this big thing where they're like, okay, here's, uh, now you can have 32,000 songs on this little fucking thing. But by the way, they sound like fucking dog shit. But, mm-hmm. you know, here you go. You can have 32,000 songs. And what do you think human nature part of that was like, oh, I can have 32,000 songs. I don't give a shit that it's Of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's how, um, you know, we get away with uh, like the, uh, the X32 or M32 or whatever that Behringer thing is, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is not, you know, sorry, Behringer, but it's not a great sounding desk, you know, for the price point. Right. Maybe it's a pretty amazing, you know, for what it does. Right. Um, right. But but I think that people make concessions for sound quality, um, you know, in regards to price. And unfortunately, it's the sound quality that loses in that. And so we have this vast, wide-ranging thing between an, an M32 and a SD7 Quantum. The sound quality just putting an input through it, not putting any EQ or anything through it, just the converters and the the output converters and like all that stuff. There's a vast difference there. And so um, I I think that um, unfortunately uh, that's the problem with digital in general when you're talking about digital is there is this vast difference between sound quality. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? I don't know. I'm just it totally does. Yeah. Oh, dude, no, a bazillion percent. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking. So there was a desk that was out that you and I both used, and I to date think I've had some of my best mixes ever on it. But you had to do a lot of work with it to get it right, and it was probably the de- the desk of let's say 2005 to 15 or somewhere in there. So there's still a bazillion of them out. But when I listen to it on its own, it's very 2D. It's very smushed. There's no depth. We were talking about depth with guitars, so there's zero depth in it. Just on its own, it's very much here. And but and I thought a lot at the time when I was using it. And I'm like, you know what? That might kind of be to its advantage because it. We're now in the, you know, in the compressed audio, meaning like MP3. That's yes. where we are. I had a friend of mine last night, Studio Cat, here in Athens, uh, emailed, texted me a mix. And I put on, perfect timing, uh, ATH in the 50s. <laughs> I love it. Sat, sat down and listened to an M4A. You know, I, miss, I listened yep. to And he's asking me to critique. This is another engineer. So, like, we do it too. So, uh, uh, but, but, but in saying that, well, you know, don't get me wrong. Superior audio still sounds like superior audio. It does. And, and I'm always I know, going but we, to choose superior I know. audio. I know. You know? So does that make sense though? I was talking about the 2D, the kind of lack Absolutely. of depth in the desk. I'm like, well, that's what music sounds like now. So maybe that's in its favor, you know? So uh, that's so anyway. funny. You're reminding me. I had a. I I actually um, had the opportunity to sit down and have lunch with Jack Joseph Puig because he and I were doing a bunch of waves events together. He would be the, like the record guy, and I'd be the live guy. And it was so here I was hanging out with like one of the best fucking engineers in the world you know and hey i'm gonna go to lunch with one of the best engineers in the world like what the fuck who gets to do that right (laughs) so anyway i went to have lunch with him and one of the questions i asked him was like doesn't it bug you the the sound of like records today that have no dynamics and they're just squashed to the bejesus and the l1 is fucking just taking off all of you know um all the kind of things and he said said yeah from a a personal level of wanting to have good audio absolutely it's offensive but for the sound of today that is what yes. the sound of today is and therefore absolutely. i have to make my records be the sound of today um i thought that was a really interesting mm-hmm. answer you know to i think that us as audio professionals try our hardest to make things sound the best, but we also have to take into consideration, like, I don't know about you, but I've like listened to some of these artists I've worked for recently, pop artists in particular, I listen to um, their record and just go, holy crap, that vocal is so squashed. It is like Mm -hmm. this big. Um, I'm gonna have to replicate that, you know, because that's what everyone is expecting it to be. Totally. live 
Um, do I want to make their vocal be, you know, way have way more dynamics? Yes, uh, but I'm not. My hands are tied because that's what everyone hears that vocal as. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, anyway, sorry oh, to go, totally. sorry to go down that rabbit hole, but that's you know, I mean, it's an interesting discussion, right? You know, no, it makes sense, and and I think both of you guys, your answers are. Yeah, I, I think that's like the righteous answer. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is personally, what do I think? Well, I think A, B, and C. Professionally, right now, what is being asked of me? Yes. That, you yes. know? So I kind of, I don't know. I feel like that's sort of the right way to, to look at it. Um, but, uh, okay, so we'll, we'll move on down the list. Now, here are the ways <laughs> that I combat some of what I don't like. Uh, about yeah, let's hear it. One of the first one of the first things okay so one of the first things i noticed when i started mixing digitally and i've been quoted as saying this before but was how suddenly ungodly dynamic everything seemed to be and it was just and i've mentioned before i remember early on saying i felt like i was playing whack-a-mole with every input it's just like suddenly these things that weren't didn't seem so dynamic before now suddenly were so what's happening is you know in the analog realm there's so much copper there's so much wire there's so many more stages uh of amplification there's just a lot more infinitely more circuitry things had to pass through uh going through than what they do now on the front end of a digital system because yep. essentially all that we're having now is it goes into a stage box and honestly on some digital rigs that might be it it yep. might even it might have 10 feet of copper and that's it the rest is ones and zeros it'll hit that head amp which will have to do some conversion but uh and then after that it's just ones and zeros it is a straight shot to you yep. so the sound is not being rounded off stage by stage by stage like it used to be yep so we've kind of harped on guys not using a plug-in on every channel not having to use a compressor in every channel but i will say when i made it to digital desk suddenly i felt like i needed more compression and you'll hear other people say this and i think that's why the rise in popularity aside for tonal reasons but of saturation devices is so it's so prevalent and it's yes. so valued now so all that being said uh I would say some sort of saturation device, whether it's a plug-in or a hardware piece of gear. I can tell you that uh, we've talked about, did we talk about Phoenix on here? I think we it came up. I think we mentioned it, yeah, a while ago. So some something like a plug-in like Phoenix, or there are a million different, unfortunately, there's a lot of good native ones that aren't available to us, although that's those True. are becoming available. There's native servers now that are making the live sound. I'd really like for us to talk about that one of these days. I'm excited about it. But let's talk about that. Saturation. I want to talk about that right now because I don't you know anything right about now? it. Yeah, let's talk about it. It is the A number one thing I am most excited about right now in live audio. Okay. It's also something I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, now I got to learn something else. Like I'm kind of <laughs> dragging my feet on it. You know, I'm lazy. Essentially what it is, guys have been doing it for a while where in, in, you would run out to, let's say, a DAW. Yep. Where you'd literally have some DAW open yep. and you could load native plugins on there. Um, the drag, you essentially just leave it in input mode. You don't have it write anything. You just, you run it through there. And that way you can use those, those natively processed plugins live they don't work on waves they don't work on ua they don't yep. work on the few anyway so just explaining it to the people listening uh then now main stage which you very well have had a lot of uh musicians use um which is an apple thing what some guys now in front of house are running plugins through main stage some people run them through ableton there's this thing called live professor i'm hip to which i never knew until i made some facebook thread a few weeks ago remember that one that just wanted to get a bunch of people talking and yep. it came up of course the younger guys are talking about it. so the the thing is though then we get into yet another area of latency yep and that's the rub and i don't want to do anything until it's all been fully vetted i want to know which interfaces are the fastest i want to know which programs are the most stable yep. i want to know there's all these things that i need to know before i incorporate it because 
you know, now let's look at talk about someone like myself. I've got Universal Audio running Live Rack. I've got Waves running Super Rack. Now I'm going to have some other server, you know, and they've all got different time. Yeah. Uh, they all have different bits of latency to set. So anyway, I am super excited because the plugins that I like the most on this planet, a lot of them are some of these kind of cool. There's stuff that's only available now totally. via native processing. You know what I'm saying? So I'll tell you what I think the, the move is. Currently, this is what I'm thinking. And to me, it all also comes down to points of failure. The more shit I have, the more points of failure I have. And that's a big one. You know, I have all these lofty goals, but then I'm like, ah, that's something else to go wrong. Um, you could, to keep things somewhat organized, run both your, whether it be analog or extraneous plugin servers. Now, oh, and here's what's most exciting. Plugin Alliance just came out with one. And they make the coolest stuff. I oh, yeah. mean, the coolest, you know, yeah. God, I love their stuff. They just made one or maybe took ownership of something else. I haven't really read up on it. But um, you could take all these others. You could take UA. You could even take your outboard. You could take any of these other new things, the native processing things I'm talking about, and put them in SoundGrid, from what I understand. And then you could have all of your inserts within that. That would be the super G way to do it. Totally. But it won't if you're relying on delay compensation within SoundGrid or within any of them it's only with respect to that server so yes. it's really going to take a lot of math to keep it all straight in your head as far as what's where yep sorry that was quite the answer no um, no i mean it's, it's a I'm, great answer I'm, you, I'm really stoked about this stuff though uh, and you should be i mean it's cool i think the technology is finally coming to the point where uh, it's people are coming up with solutions. The problem is, is the whole latency thing, right? So for example, yeah. um, a band, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but a band that I worked for, for 13 years, um, uses auto tune, um, mm -hmm. on their vocals. Um, and at the time there was no real way to host auto tune. Um, you know, there's the waves tune didn't exist. Um, and, and so, you know, we were trying to come up with ways to do it. And, and anyway, what I ended up doing was almost exactly what you were talking about. It was a Sonnet X server with an RME card in it, an AES card in yep. it and going AES out of it and AES back in, um, and using main stage as the host for auto tune. Um, mm -hmm. but the round trip of that, I forget what the number is, but the round trip of it was really long. Like it was, yeah. you know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, six milliseconds no. or something. I mean, it was oh, no. like, it was like, you know, it gets hefty, hefty. And, uh, and what uh, I ended up having to do was literally like delay everything else to that. You know that round trip, whatever that was. But you, you know, we measured it was smart. Said, okay, we're going to take all the rest of my groups and make them be, you know, to two hundred milliseconds or whatever the round trip. Is. I mean, dude, it was like long, and I can't remember what it was. It might have been even yeah. like a full second or something. I mean, it was long, um, for sure. But, but if for front of house, that's okay, right? Like we move around fucking speakers, you know, all the time by large amounts. So, um, it wasn't that bad, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, but what's awesome. And, and I am also excited is that that technology is much better now. Um, the, the tools that are the interface are much faster. The, uh, the networking that's happening is much faster. Um, so we may actually get to a point where, um, management of three separate things, like what you discussed, you know, waves, uh, sound grid, the universal audio network, and now this other network um, mm -hmm. can all live in the same place and be happy with each other and not have different latency times. Um, yeah. So hopefully coming soon. Um, yep. But yep. It, it also requires. Um, dueling manufacturers, guys that are enemies of each other to kind of play well with each other too in order for that stuff to it happen. It does. Um, yeah. But they, yeah. they do. I, know, I, I mean, know. you know. Yeah, they do. It's just we're seeing it now. I, I'm so jealous of our studio counterparts who can drop any plug-in anywhere. Totally. In there. I know. God. And then it, and it all falls within the compensated, <clears throat> uh, you know, yep. the delay compensation. It's just such a 
It's such a bummer. You know, I have um, I have lots of friends that are studio guys, as you do, and literally they call me up and they go, "Dude, do you know about this latest?" You know, um, God, my a buddy of mine called me yesterday. Um, his name's Ethan Mates. He's the he was the uh, recording engineer for Lincoln Park, and um, but he said that to me. I can't remember who it was, what the manufacturer was. I'm trying to look through my notes here. Um, anyway, he's like, you know, have you tried such and such? And I'm like, dude, I don't, you know, I mean, I do some stuff on my Pro Tools rig, but it's like most of what I work with is Universal Audio and Waves, you know what I mean? Those are like the two companies right. that that we work with in our in our thing. So yeah, it bums me out when, a, when an engineer calls me and says, Hey dude, check out this new company. They're rad. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. that's, that's nice. Except I'm not going to be able to use them. Right. Well, we're getting there, but it just, it's, it's just, again, another point of failure latency, you know? So <laughs> yes. it's a, that's, that's it. So, that's it. uh, all right, let's, let's move on down the list. So to combat, uh, I guess I was already moving on down the list. What I was saying was how dynamic everything was, right? Yeah. So started using all these saturation plugins. There's a bazillion. There's also, you what's know, your favorite one right now? What's your favorite saturation plugin right now? Uh, well, unfortunately, it's native. So you can use that live. So I'm going to say it. But it is through Plugin Alliance. <laughs> and it's this thing called the Black Box. Okay. Um, there's a, I've used the hardware unit before, and it's ridiculously good. Um, if it's not that, it would be Decapitator. There again, Sound Toys, native. Sound um, Toys is awesome, when, dude. They're rad. It's, it's so good. And Decapitator's been around now for a decade. I mean, that's not totally. new, you know. On the plugin, those are the first two that come to mind. I still like Phoenix. Um, I then, I'll get kind of lost in both Waves and UA because a lot of their distortion is modeled. It, it, essentially, there is distortion because it's modeled. And, and, I, and I know you and I have had this conversation. But a lot of the saturation, distortion, whatever, is modeled in the fact that they are modeling or is made in the because they are modeling a unit from yesteryear yes. and it was just ripe with that stuff you know uh they don't often have i guess waves has quite a few now but there's a very few like turn knobs saturate soon just recently like this i would say in the last two years waves has jumped on board as being the, okay, now we need to make saturation plugins, you know? And yeah. so uh, they make five or six of them now. Um, mm -hmm. Sephira is my favorite at the moment just because it's the most flexible. Uh, but they just released one or about to release one um, that has a bunch of more control of, um, of distortion and that kind of shit. But I think that all plugin manufacturers, including Universal Audio and Waves, are seeing the benefit in in having that kind of yeah. shit yeah for sure i'm really excited i have i bought it just before i started rehearsing and right before the zombie apocalypse but uh <laughs> just at the abbey the abbey road saturator oh i'm yeah. so excited so that's excited good. about that one yeah it's good. so anyway that um and then i've got a, uh, a couple hardware pieces i use I've, I've mentioned it on here before the overstayer mas love yeah. it worship it Jeff Terzo makes amazing stuff. Please look him up. Um, that MAS just gives it, it's like you had put it through a series of analog processing. Just kind of shaves off the top. You watch the RMS come up. Um, I use that on inputs. Some guys use it on their master bus. I just use that on inputs. Uh, and then finally, for me, then I want to hear your stuff. I'm sure everybody else does too. I got to mention, even though I try to get away from it all the time, only because it has tubes in it. Years ago, I was just like, okay, I've, I want to move away from tubes. There's enough good emulation plugins that I shouldn't have to use them. But God, they're so good. Um, whether it's a CL1B or a Verimu or something. But I use this thing, speaking of just tubes, for distortion, I use this thing called the Sonic Farm Creamliner. Oh, wow. And and it is just what is this, a pair of ef86s you there's not a lot of control you just i tell people all the time you just drive your car into it and if you hit it just right it makes a beautiful mess <laughs> and it's another one of those that just puts the clamps on everything it is ultimately a limiter when you hit it hard enough but it is the harmonics are not subtle if you hit it hard i mean your mix will explode in wonderful ways and then sometimes in ways where it can it can color vocals it can kind of add it does so much wonderful things to the detail of the low mid that it can also cloud it up if you hit it too hard so those are two things in the analog world um i mentioned some 
I'm sure I forgot a ton. But the whole point of this answer is anything that's <laughs> going to give me some sort of sa- some sort of saturation. Yeah, cool. Um, oh, and b- before before I move away from plugins, let me say this: if you go to like a Shep 73, yep, or the or the UAD uh, 1073, the one that's modeled with the preamp, it's not really just like the, sort of the line drive and the EQ. And if you crank those. There's some things you can do there that are really like that Shep 73 doing that or the same thing on the 1073 from UA. That's a favorite of mine. If I don't have some of the other distortion plugins I like, or I don't have any hardware at all, that's a way I'll kind of grit things out. The Shep's um, Omni channel, which is something that he's released since that 1073, um, gives you way more control of the uh, saturation part of it. It's a whole, there's a lot of stuff you can choose odd and even and how much and, you know, all kinds of control on the front part of that plugin. That's like lately, that's kind of been my go-to plugin. Like it is mm-hmm. pretty badass um, for inputs you know, um, yeah, that Sheps thing is really great, but also the 1073 model is is pretty badass too. Um, what you got? Any other saturation faves from the waves into things? Oh, uh, you know, like I said, Safira, I think is is. Um, I suck at that one. Really? I I suck at it. I know. I watched your one of these videos you did the other day, and you had it on there, and it sounded great. And I'm like, man, fuck you. Like, I suck at that. I don't know what. It, I don't know. I I do have a beef with it, but uh, it's just that was one of those I wanted to learn and love, but I just never felt like I was doing it well. Um, so, here's the anyway, here's here's the thing with it. I think. And it's just my opinion and whatever, but um, all of the presets and all of the way that that plugin comes up as a zeroed plugin, um, they set everything to be super overemphasized distortion. So if you chose any of those presets and or just brought it up and didn't really mess around with it, you would think, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a distortion pedal. Um, Mm -hmm. But... If you, I know what you're saying. If you get really subtle with it, if you turn all the knobs down and just, I mean, just tickle a little bit of the distortion in there, it it starts to act like the way that it's supposed to. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I think I think they overemphasize that on purpose so that you would hear it when you first brought it up and be like, oh yeah, that's definitely making distortion. Um, right. But I think if you mess around with it, um, you'll, you'll get some results that you like out of it. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. I, 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 you use it on vocals and I'm assuming you've used the talking about the Sephira on other places too. We just randomly pulled it up, uh, after I had been, the artist kind of called me out about some keyboard stuff, not being where he liked it. And he was right. We should do one of these on digital keyboards live. Oh. Those things. Oh man, that's a whole. Uh, but anyway, so you mean you mean the uh, the uh, eighty two inputs that the keyboard guy shows up with? Yeah, I that, do of yeah. of motif plus yeah. whatever else. Uh, so we we pulled Safira up there, and I got to be honest with you, I don't like. There was just I have these beefs about it, but we we did get good results out of it. So that would be an example of a piece of gear that I just didn't like using it, but it did bear results. Cool, you know? Yeah. So, um, and um, then the the other one for me in in Waveland is the Abbey Road Saturator. That thing's badass. I'm stoked about that. I'll tell you one that I've been doing recently. So for years, Digico has had their little the tube emulation drive circuit. You know, do you and, use uh, that? That's funny. Do you use that? Here's the deal, man. No, and but really? I have re- I have recently. So when it first came out, uh. You know, I'm like, I'm turning it and I'm like, what? Maybe it just made it rattier. I don't, what? And I, I'm like, I'm looking at, it, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm just, I'm just, it never really did anything for me. Then recent, and I would use it, like I would tell people like, yeah, it's on a DI'd Whirly to grit it out. Like, I don't know if it was really doing anything. Uh, and then, but then recently I had a gig where I had nothing but the desk. It was just a SD whatever. Yep. And man, I can't live without this stuff that we're talking about. I can't live without saturation and distortion. I can, but it's not going to make a mix I'm going to feel good about at all. That's true. So I'm like, all right, now's the time to really learn this thing. And I also think I have this in my notes section. I think it's if you leave it set to stock bias setting and you take it to like 15. Yeah. So I think it's like 15 and three. Just try that. 
and it's a pretty cool sound, man. It's a pretty it cool sound. I was surprised to hear uh, so, you say so that. Now initially. I'm more of a believer. Yeah. Really? So yeah, because I I do use it. Um, I use it um, on inputs that are not already the sources of them don't already have some sort of saturation so for instance got like it guitars already have a bunch of saturation you know with iron maiden yeah. so i wouldn't use it in that um and i don't really use it on vocals too much because i'm getting my saturation usually from another tool um, and that's part of why i don't use it is i'm always busting things are always gonna hit something later yes you know but i do use it um and have used it a lot in um like playback situations like um mm -hmm. jay-z it was on all the stems of playback in one form or another saturated or yeah. less saturated i get it um and it was on um, cleaner things like keyboards. Like definitely, I use it on keyboards. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and it it if you mess around with it, I know, totally know what you're saying. It's the same kind of thing. You bring it up at first, you turn it on, you know, and then there's like a warm button and then a not, you know. Um, right. Uh, I find I don't like the warm way where it turns into one knob. You know, I don't like I that don't sound. I like the two adjusting the bias. And uh, I'm sure someone that is way nerdy can tell us how that all works. I don't really give a shit. I just know that when I, 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 when, I, <laughs> when, I, when I fuck around with it, I could get it to sound good. That's all I give a fuck about. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's nice yeah. to know why yeah. things do what they do. But sometimes it's like, I really don't care. So... Um, right. if you, if you know, great, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm just joking. Totally. I just, you know, I'm like, yeah. whatever I mess around with it. But, um, uh, so those kind of things, if that makes sense. Um, but it totally uh, does. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here. I'm like, you know what? Next time I get back out and write a new show, maybe I'll incorporate it more. I've got all these weird little, like we talk about our nuances and our rules and our, this is and that's. And for me, I'm like, I just, when I think of the Digico, I'm like, I don't want its distortion. I want nothing, but it's pass through beautiful clarity and i want to muck it up in other places it's that's just, totally true you know what i say that just all my the workflow time. i say that all the time and people ask me what is the number one reason that i use a digico console and it is that it is so clean it has no yeah. coloration it lets me decide where i want coloration um as opposed to there are some other you know manufacturers out there that the the whole thing about them is that they have dirty mic pre's like, and they have a tone to them, which is yep. nice. And that's cool. Um, but the way that I've kind of worked over the years and the way that I've come up with the best solution of workflow is just like you, I want transparency and let me be the guy to decide what I'm going to muddy up. Absolutely. And so then too, well, this is a good way to put a, a period on this one. What we're talking about, I will have, I live, I, I have to have these things. <laughs> Obviously I don't have to, but, and I've got them at every level from the input level to the bus level yeah. to the master bus level to the everything in between. My mix is riddled with those things. So, so that would be for, and then so I'm going to get to number five here. And this is, is, I, of course, now, now that we're sitting here, I can think of a thousand things, but, um, just because I feel like I should, because it's been my trusty sidekick for so long, or not for so long, but for, I don't know, I think 13 years now, 14 years, is the API 2500. Of course. And again, being true to myself, I tell you just like everything, I don't know what it is to me, I'm always thinking I should change or move away, then I come back. I, there are a lot of other PCA-based compressors, bus compressors that I like a ton. There are a ton that I absolutely love but I keep coming back to that thing. I could write a novel on it. I use the hardware one, I uh, own one, I might own two actually, but I also know the plug-in units well and what they do and don't do well, in my opinion from it. But that guy, man, just yeah, that man. thing, I, I, I just, it's so flexible. It can do the traditional VCA SSL type kind of grabby, aggressive thing, or it does this kind of beefier, warmer thing if you keep it in feedback mode, the old mode, and then with the way you control the knee and the, the, the variances in the thrust. Or and the, the thrust. The thrust is really what I love, yeah. 
I know, and it's like I'll use it one of two ways, or I'll use it any number of ways. I typically use it in old mode. Every now and again, I will want it to be in new if I want that snappier, grabbier thing. But with that old thing, I'll keep it in, uh, excuse me, thrust, I'll keep it in medium by default to where it lets enough low end, you know what I'm saying? Just it gives it that thing. Conversely, I will then also, because I know my gear, if I've got an act where for whatever reason I can't keep the low end, it just moves too much. I've done multi-band compression, I've grouped things, I've just done all this, yet it's too, I like a really solid, no matter what genre, very well-defined, I don't like a lot of stuff jumping up and down. If I can't get it, I will then take the thrust circuitry out on the API 2500, which leaves it in normal mode to where it's this, it's not looking at any it's looking at a full range signal coming in and I'll use that for one last layer of clamping down on the low end, you know, awesome. and I, there's a fine, there's a fine line in there and doing it because if you're not careful, it'll start pumping with that low end. Yeah. And I found that that out the hard way years ago, uh, when I first got into VCA type, you know, bus compressors and it's like, Oh, this sounds amazing, but everything's pumping to the kick drum. So anyway, that unit, I could go on for a year about it. I love it. <laughs> I want to throw it in there. It's yeah, funny, you know. Pass on it sometimes too, oh, but I, I know. So I got to say it. No, I totally. I I'm right there with you. Um, I you know I we've talked about this. I tend to be more the in the box guy, and when I'm talking about plugins, you know, C6 is my desert island plugin. Like if I could only have one plugin, it would be C6, just because it's so versatile in what it does. But a really close second is the 2500. Like I nice. couldn't, I couldn't. I, I don't feel like I could get the same result uh, if I didn't have that as a tool. Um, I use it a lot, like on my at the very end of my band bus, like right before the master. Yep. Um, I use it there a lot, and for this all the same reasons that you do uh, with the analog version. Um, but um, awesome, dude! Nice five. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's funny. Five. It's <laughs> just fine. And, you know, we can uh, probably in another video be like, you know, um, maybe not your, you know, five things that you couldn't live without, but what are some five of your favorite things? That's kind of a different question, right? That um, sounds fine because that would be like, <clears throat> oh, man, I'll never forget when I used blank. Yes. Which I might not use anymore. But right, what right, a game right, changer right, right. that was. I, got, totally. I have more of those than I do what did I use today. Okay. So and I'm sure well, you do, too. We'll, we'll definitely get to that at some point. Um, you know, it's funny as you're talking and I'm agreeing with you 100%, like all of those things are in my, you know, top five. Um, the, the digital console for sure, um, you know, um, but I think for me, one of those things, like I would trade one of your things um, if I could only have five, see that's a problem. If I can only have five, uh, I know. Yeah. But um, man, I left out smart. I left out all kinds. Of I know. See, like tools, microphones. Um, I didn't name a single microphone. It's hard. I know. It's hard. Um, so what would you do? What's what? Where do you like? Oh, I want to squeeze it in there somehow. Uh, There's something on the tip of your brain right now. Outboard reverbs. So oh, um, oh God, a good one. I Just really. I really feel like, yeah, I really feel like, um, uh, no offense to plug-in manufacturers, but nobody's really made a great sounding reverb. It's starting to be like, you know, the universal audio stuff, the, uh, model of the 480 and the model of the 6,000 is pretty close. I mean, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, from Waves, the the H-verb um, is pretty amazing. And some of the, the presets that guys have made um, are great. And I will be the first to tell you that I use those um, only because, you know, they're oftentimes when I have 120 inputs, there is a need for having seven reverbs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I do use plug-in reverbs, don't get me wrong. Um, but there is just something about a Procrasti M7 or, you know, yep. it just has a thing. And I think it's purely because its whole job is DSP 
um, to make itself, you know, that's all it does is make reverb. Um, right. So Bercassi M7 or the real, I still love the analog version, the real version of a 480, not the plug-in version. I think right. the, the real version of a 480, and I know it's four spaces and it's a lark and it's a fucking pain in the ass and whatever, but something about it just sounds really good. Um, yep. The TC6000 series, same thing. It's huge, but it's it's amazing sounding. Um, yep. I just feel like uh, those kind of units are still a little bit necessary. They're like one of my five, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of what else. I think uh, you know. I think we've covered a, a bunch of bunch of stuff, you know. Um, I don't know. That was the only thing that I went as you were talking. I was like, "Yep, definitely." You know that, definitely that, definitely that. Um, but I, I came upon the the reverb thing, uh, and I, I think get that. A, you know, I get that. Yeah, um, we could revisit this one too. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. Because sure, there's a million things. <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope you guys got a bunch out of this one. I had a lot of fun hearing Chris's five and agreeing with him on a bunch of stuff and. Um, so um have fun um stay inside wash your hands and uh, (laughs) we'll see you real soon